Bloody Disgusting Podcast Network. Live people ignore the strange and unusual. I myself am strange and unusual. Boils and ghouls, lock your doors and strap yourselves in. From Los Angeles, California, Bloody Disgusting presents the Boo Crew Podcast. Horror news, commentary, reviews, interviews, and more. With your hosts, Lauren and Trevor Shand and Leone D'Antonio. Hey, I'm Leo. I'm Lauren. And I'm Trevor, and we are the Boo Crew. Welcome to episode 106, where you are joined by Chris Motionless from the band Motionless in white. While Leo was off saving the world at his secret underground laboratory, Lauren and I take you live from the tour bus for this incredibly fun and insightful combo with Chris about his intense love for horror, songcraft, and more. There's ghost stories, a behind-the-scenes look at some of the band's videos, and can you imagine a horror film scored by Chris Motionless? We ask him that very question. There's even a tease of some very cool things happening this year. Episode 106 begins now. Hey, what's up? This is Chris Motionless of Motionless and White, broadcasting from beyond the grave with the Boo Crew. Go ahead, scream. That's all we need. Another victim crawls onto the gurney for a Boo Crew autopsy. Joining the Boo Crew is a singer-songwriter, musician, producer, and lyricist who has defined a generation. He has not only defined it, but has become perhaps a reluctant symbol and icon for anyone who's ever felt misunderstood, loved, unloved, buried, or in contrast, full of fight against a world that doesn't seem to listen. He is our empowering voice, the strength when we need it most. He manages to balance it all in a thrilling theatrical experience with a wicked sense of humor. It is these qualities that make every one of his band's albums an event, a real movement. You can feel culture shift inside the melodies. There is salvation in the lyrics and strength in its conviction. It is why every one of their five full-length albums has taken residency in the Billboard charts. And their many incredible videos, of which there are an unprecedented 19, get nominated for awards and amass millions of streams. They wear their horror and genre influence quite literally on their sleeves. Their latest collection of songs is called Disguise. They have been touring relentlessly in support of it through 2019 and will continue to do so in 2020, we are honored to welcome Chris Motionless of Motionless and White. That is by far the gnarliest intro I've ever heard. Dude, thank you. Wow. I I need that sample, and I'm just going to play that before our shows. (laughs) That's going to be what we come out to. (laughs) Well, that would be an honor. Seriously, this is a long time in the making for us. As soon as we started this show for Bloody Disgusting, you've been on our our hot list of one of the guests to get. So this is really, really cool. And thank you for the very nice words. I I don't even... Wow. <laughs> wow. We, well, we could just end it right here. That's it. Well, to start off, so we're outside a very beautiful and very haunted theater, actually, in Ventura. I have yet for you to tell me about the history of the venue. It's our first time here, so I don't know anything. Yeah, interesting, cool thing about it. It was built in the 20s, and it used to be an actual speakeasy. And uh, so, yes, yeah, it's called the Majestic Theater. And there's four ghosts, apparently, that are, that are in the theater. One of them is uh, a gangster. The other one's a guy who smokes by the men's bathroom. Okay. And if you see him, 
and you tell him not to smoke, he blows smoke in your face and disappears. Wow. There's a girl who takes the stage after a band usually clears up. They usually see her and she's headless. There's a couple others too. So if you see anything weird in there tonight. We have a song where we, uh, we scream headless a bunch of times. Maybe she'll, maybe oh she'll make an appearance at, at that <laughs> very crazy. moment. That would be incredible. That would be amazing. We're just rolling out the red carpet for her. Let's yeah, go. Yeah, exactly. Have you ever seen a ghost or had any paranormal experience? I've had... It's. I don't even know where to start with this question because first off, paranormal is like the most terrifying thing to me. Um, I can handle any other types of horror or or scary, whatever it is. But paranormal, for some reason, it just I don't know. I'm terrified. And um, in the house where I grew up, there were a few moments of like simple things, like lights kind of coming on in rooms where there wasn't anybody in it um, and I witnessed that but there were a few times where I was like I don't know and then I don't know if you want me to go into it yeah. but there's one story of just like oh my god so when I was growing up we moved into that house uh, my family moved in like I don't know how old I was maybe like 13 14 years old and uh, when we moved into the house there was a family already living in there and they had a daughter who had passed away and I remember looking at all the photos as we were walking through, taking a tour of the house for the open house and being like, okay, everyone else is here. Where's that girl? And then we found out later that, that she had passed away. Years had gone by and I had only experienced a few like minimal things here and there, but I always, every one of those things happened at the top of the stairs. Every one of them. There were three or four weird, just like, how did that happen? I'm going to ignore it because I don't even want to think about it being real at all whatever so later i find out that the girl that had passed away apparently had fallen down the stairs and broke her neck no way and she died on the way to the hospital so that already freaked me out that okay okay this is how she died this is where the stuff is happening but whatever i'll just let it go so a couple years later my parents split up certain people move out of the house i me and my dad uh stayed and his new girlfriend moved in a few you know whatever x amount of time later and we were having a conversation just totally out of nowhere there would be no way that she would have ever known any of that stuff that i knew about the girl the stairs the having seen weird stuff up there or anything like that we we're just having a conversation about the house and how it makes weird noises sometimes and everything like that and she goes yeah and then there's always that weird girl at the top of the stairs i was like what Whoa! what did you say she was like she's like yeah there's always like this girl that's always just hanging out at the top of the stairs and i just was like i'm fucking out of here oh see you later God. yeah i i it freaked me out so bad because at that point it had only been like my own like stress and anxiety of there being something there and then she just casually was just like yeah oh yeah that's a girl right there right like, confirmed uh, it yes and what? that's the that's the closest to any real interaction or real confirmation i've ever had yeah and that's more than enough for me seriously so out of there oh my wow. god well you filmed that video reincarnate in 2014 at the hotel alexandria yes, also yeah. yep. a super fucking haunted place and you guys did i think you guys are in the ballroom and outside the valentino suite which yes. is the two most haunted oh, yeah. places in the whole hotel yeah it's a little easier to deal with when there's like a bunch of sure. people around yeah but you can oh my god in the alexandria room it's like heavy I don't know if you've ever been in it. No, I it haven't been in it. It is heavy. You just like, you just feel the energy just kind of like, I don't know, just like, 
embrace you and just kind of like come in you know it's it's freaky and it's just such a bizarre like i don't even know why they haven't torn it down it just looks really like straight out of a movie set haunted and i don't know you can't fake the energy of when you walk into there you can't create that so and yeah a lot of history yeah. of that place too it's where they formed united artists where charlie chaplin formed united artists they announced it at that hotel that's crazy well going back to the earliest beginnings of getting into horror films what was the first movie that impacted you that was a horror film uh, the first one is still my favorite to this day, which is the original Halloween. Yeah. I remember growing up and before I was ever even allowed to watch horror movies as a kid, my, my mom didn't like them. My dad didn't really have like a preference, but movies were a huge thing in our family growing up. Me and my brother, my mom, and my dad, it was like every weekend it was like, let's go to Blockbuster, Let which, you know, rest in peace. God, I would I would give it, I want a Blockbuster tattoo. I miss it, <laughs> I miss it so much, man. Yeah, th- it, that, it was an event, right? It, it was a golden part of my childhood of going there and standing there for an hour looking at all the movies and deciding what you wanted and it's just there's something that kids now are never going to get to experience on that level and it, I miss it so much anyway I'm side I'm getting sidetracked <laughs> we were a family that kind of watched like comedies action movies and the most kind of like horror-esque stuff that I was into was like Ghostbusters there's a huge movie for me or like Terminator and stuff like that um, so finally, when I was allowed to watch that that stuff, I was actually scared of it initially because it was like a foreign concept to me, and it just didn't. It wasn't. I wasn't used to it, and I I at that point had known who Freddie, Jason, and Michael Myers were, but I never really went for it. I only heard like the stories of kids in school talking about them, and I was always just like, I really want to know what this is, but I'm terrified. So when I finally watched Halloween for the first time it like shook me to my core because I just think Michael Myers in general having no actual face to show emotion. I mean, I guess in some way, obviously Jason doesn't have a face either, but there's something about the stoic, emotionless face that is Michael Myers and the like slow, cumbersome, just constant approaching of you no matter how fast you run he's right behind you like it's it's so scary it doesn't make any sense but it's terrifying and it does make sense in your head you make it make sense and you're just like this is i would never if i ever saw this in real life i'm out yeah so yeah (laughs) halloween was was my favorite do you have a group of horror films now like a pantheon of horror films that feel like home to you i would say like some of the earlier ones i did see like um i don't know if certain people consider lost boys to be a horror sure film. oh yeah i, yeah. I, I kind of do kind of don't that one for sure just because i love the like feeling of being a kid growing up and kind of always being an outcast there was like this weird form of like i identified with the characters and like i wanted to be one of them you know like like i i was like that would be the coolest this is what i want for my life like i want to be a lost boy i want to be a vampire and like just be everything that they were in the film and not have a life of normality and you know oddly enough here i am in a band that is essentially the closest thing to (laughs) right to being in in a group similar to to what that felt like so that's a big one for me and then over the years it's just they come in they come in like every so many years where there's one that really affects me and be and it's like wow that was amazing um i think probably the most recent would be a cabin in the woods i thought that was like such a creative awesome original film to add to the genre it just was so it was such like a it was like a film looking at the outside of horror and showing like these weird 
alternate ways of how it's created. I, I it just the way I watched it, it was like, wow, this is am- the concept was amazing and just so unique. Was there any horror that you saw this past year that blew you away? Let's see what came out the past year. I didn't. I haven't gotten a chance to really go to the the movies a lot this past year. What did come out? I'm trying to think, of movies like Hereditary, some of the Annabelle movies. You know, it follows the Hereditary. I have seen it. Follows. I I love the concept. I it was a little slow for me, but uh, Hereditary is one that I'm dying to see. Have you, would you guys yeah, recommend? Oh it? my oh god, yeah, yeah. it's so insane. I heard that in Midsummer, like that you have to see it. I would say last year. The only only film I saw that really was just like, whoa, this feels like a new version of horror was The Witch. Yes, yes. Um, that like slow, kind of uncomfortable, silent form of just like you don't really know what's going to happen next. And it was like you, dread through yeah, the whole thing. You're, yeah. you're not relying on the jump scares. It's more just like constant uncomfortableness and or uncomfortability, whatever the word is. And um, that really made me like just kind of implode a little bit watching it <laughs> and then the moments where where like uh there were big moments like the i think it was towards the end where the goat speaks and stuff and the voice is just terrifying you're just like oh my god yeah, live deliciously <laughs> yeah are there any paranormal movies that you just love because it scares you so much i have to say the original first paranormal activity movie yes. oh my gosh still to this day is i i've i've seen it probably three times and it affects me the same each way like i watch in absolute dread and terror like I, that that was that was the movie that put me over the edge of being like yeah i already didn't like this now i'm not even gonna ever seek out watching anything that has to do i'm not gonna even consider that paranormal uh, anything is real. I'm just. I'm gonna phase it out of my brain. Have you heard of Demon House? I have not. No. Oh my oh, god. Like we won't even watch. Yeah, it. it's a documentary that they actually. There's a warning at the beginning of the documentary that you there's danger of people, I guess, being possessed because when they were making the movie, it shut down all their electrical equipment. Oh, it wow. shut down an entire news station that was going to air clips from it. It's one of the guys from uh, Ghost Hunters, one of those reality ghost shows, and he actually bought a haunted house and investigated it and some crazy stuff permanent damage actually happened to him wow yeah his eyes permanently crossed like forever holy yeah wow yeah so he opened up a vegas uh a museum in vegas actually in an old victorian mansion that you can actually visit and they have part of the house in there you have to sign a waiver to go and even see it <laughs> so okay. i don't know if you want to well, see you won't find me there <laughs> exactly that's me really cool for other people exactly <laughs> It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. <laughs> so I wanted to just discuss, um, I know we, we're limited on time, but jump into the album, the new album, Disguise. Your continued evolution as a singer is at its absolute peak level on this. The vocals are a wonderful centerpiece and are very beautiful. And you've developed this melodic vocabulary and kind of the sensibility of a film composer. Again, we could just kind of just keep sam- sampling these things. Yeah. But like the, it's it, the melodic choices you make are very unique. And I was wondering if there's anything in particular that informs those choices you make in terms of where to go with melody. 
I, th- I think for me, the best answer is going to be that it has to reflect exactly how I feel about the lyrics. Like, let's pick a let's pick a song that's like really emotional on the like record. Another life. Yeah, the, yeah. Um, you know that that song has such a heavy, deep background to the lyrics, and I spent a lot of time to make sure that they were saying exactly what I want. So when I think about how melodies come together and how vocal performances come together, if I were to ever do something that I felt didn't reflect the weight that the lyrics were carrying, then it wouldn't make sense to me. It wouldn't match up. So I have to, I always have to look at a song in that sense where it's like, okay, is what I'm singing and how I'm singing it matching what I feel when I hear the song or what I feel when I read the lyrics. And that's usually just the way I go about everything. Like it's, I I always have to have the music first. And then from the music, I say this, but this song, this music makes me feel this way. Then I write the lyrics and say, okay, the lyrics and the music make me feel this way. How do I want to sing it? So that's usually the process. Now, lyrically on this album, you're more open than you've ever been before. And we cling to that honesty as listeners. And it's always been, it's always been there as a secret sauce of the band, but now it's more on the table than ever before. There's a whole other level of immersiveness that comes to the music because of that as a listener. What has that approach awoken in you? I think it's tough to say because every time I want to answer this question, I'm always just like, I feel like I have been really honest and really forward throughout our career, but there is something about this one that's like absolute, just, you know, open my chest, spread it and just, you, you can dive right in and just, it's all there for you to see. And I, I don't know for me, it's allowed me to feel like, I don't have to be afraid or I don't have to bottle up the feelings that I, that I experience and, and kind of very much put on that mask or disguise every day. It's now I know that there's a support system out there that, that feels that way and allows me to kind of show the true self and not have to feel like I have to put on the mask and this, the fake smile all the time. I mean, I'm a very, I'm a very happy person about what we get to do and I'm so grateful but just like anything in life, there's going to be struggle. And sometimes there's going to be a lot of it, a little bit, none, tons, etc. And I just felt like I was going through the darkest period of my life uh, in a long time. And I needed to write about it. And, and I am a little sad that there's not more very variations of uh, songs on the record, but we did make sure to get at least two in there that have the the horror aspect and bring you know keep keep the roots of that aspect in it. And we tried to do it with the artwork and everything to keep it all cohesive to what makes the band the band. But it's definitely just the record I needed to do and to get it off my chest and um, stop kind of living in fear that people were going to write off our band because we're too emotional or sing about the same kind of one general topic too much so yeah it's been amazing as a creator what are if if any what are the regenerative elements of this part of the process the performance the press talking about it the reflection period after you've made the piece and put it out there is there anything that you get back during this part of it yeah i mean it's uh it's interesting that's probably the first time i've ever been asked that question which is really cool because you i don't think most bands including myself really reflect on interviews after but for people that actually are at least trying to be self-aware like i try to be 
you kind of get to listen to yourself answer these things and see how you may feel in an out outward sense rather than just what you think about the situation in your head you know i get to talk to you about it or i get to talk to other people about it and say and then kind of look back at what i said and be like oh wow i didn't i didn't expect myself to say that and i did and that's how i feel um so it's kind of a, it's just like what writing lyrics are where you get to explore another side of your brain and, and your feelings and your emotions and put it on paper but now in this sense we get to just have a conversation which is even you know e- or i guess equally as powerful uh in the sense that this is just something that music has provided me with it's great conversations it's meaningful in-depth intelligent communication with people and it's just such a great uh, great thing to have as an extension of being an artist and going on stage and, and recording a record you know so undead ahead to the tale of the midnight ride Love the video. Sam from the movie Trick or Treat makes an appearance in the video as well. <laughs> Running around on stage. For any Halloween horror fans, that video is such a treat. But it also is a good example of what you guys do as far as linking songs together, having songs with sequels. Of course, this being a sequel for uh, Undead Ahead uh, on the first album, Creatures. There's such great world building there. That part in the sequel where you hear that la 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 building up to this place is haunted, a direct lyric, what you quote, it is chills. (laughs) What is the effect and importance of that world building and the attention to detail that you were consciously putting into this stuff? Well, it's... uh it's great that you asked that because one of the reasons, the biggest reasons I wanted to do a sequel for that song was because I feel like I didn't do that well enough on the first one. Oh, wow. I, I look back to the first one and I feel like I was very um, underdeveloped as a lyricist and kind of just as a creator in general. And I wanted a second chance at it to take that story, just expand. And my thought with this one was that I'm going to take kind of every version of Sleepy Hollow that I've heard, seen, read, and put them all together and make my my own version just like other people. You know, Tim Burton has his own version, and um, I just wanted to do that. So for me, it was like an opportunity to do exactly what you said, which is, again, thank you for acknowledging, really build out this whole world and give you such a very vivid visual of the characters, the story, what it was, what it's all about, but in my, you know, my version of it and the opportunity is so cool to do that we've done that with many things in our career and those are always some of my favorite songs because you get to like put yourself in the story and become the characters and live out their uh their experiences in said story and i think that's such a cool thing to try to accomplish as a writer is to not be yourself and still do a good job have you ever been approached to score a horror film? No, I haven't. I would love to. You'd be um, so good at it, too. I would. I would very much <laughs> love to. I, For sure. I uh, have written things here and there that feel like you know. I, we we did a an intro track for Reincarnate that did not make the record that I still sit on all the time. I'm just like I need to put this out because I feel like it's like kind of mixture of like Batman Returns with uh, Nightmare Before Christmas and stuff so I love anything Danny Elfman related so that's usually like the go-to approach and I I feel like I've done a lot more of the quote-unquote scoring aspect on the first record like a lot of the stuff I worked on I felt really proud of now we went a slightly different direction for the majority of our music but I still have that desire to do more of it within so uh, 
if anybody wants to give me a call to score something, you let me know because I'd love it. I'd, I'd get together with my friend Justin Dubleek and I think he and I would do a badass job at scoring something. Are there any horror directors that you just absolutely adore? <sighs> I, I don't think that most people would consider Tim Burton to be a horror director. I He's don't know. definitely in the genre. Yeah. yeah. Like yeah. I, I, I can never really get a, gr- a sense of like, like true, uh, I don't know if this word is the wrong word, but elitist horror fans really look at Tim Burton in that sense but of course that's my answer whether whether you consider it or not he's my answer I mean there are so many aspects about me personally about the band and our music and everything that reflects what you know he the world he has created and that's just because uh, you know I was very young when I saw Nightmare Before Christmas and Beetlejuice and those were like huge movies for me and then everything he's done after that I'm just such a massive fan of so uh, I have to go with Tim Burton for sure any more videos off Disguise? Uh, we're gonna try to do another one for a song pretty soon we wanna put another video out in the summer it's uh we keep getting lucky. We do like five videos per album. We did like five videos for the last record. We're on like our third or fourth now for this record. I think third, fourth, yeah. So I, I think I think videos are like the best way to give a band another dimension to like invite you into seeing what the song is about. Like people are very visual creatures at least in my opinion so giving like a music video to accompany the lyrics and put you into that world is something that we've always been a fan of and tried really hard to take seriously so i'm always pushing for videos yeah the video for disguise is awesome the creature design outstanding thank you she does a lot of stuff the the actor does a lot of stuff in films uh like that because she just could like contort herself and move her jaw so great it's it's nuts what she was able to do um, so it, it was just an opportunity for us to bring the uh, the creature on the front of the album and to life and try to play with that character a little bit. One last, very last question. So you're wrapping up this tour cycle, and then there's a little bit of time between then and I guess you're heading over overseas. So, yeah. So what happens in between then? Are you getting a break or? We are going to do another uh, run. Probably, you know, we're we're doing Welcome to Rockville in Florida and uh, a few other dates like that in the early spring um, or I guess within the spring and we're going to try to route dates around that like we usually do so there'll be another US group of dates here and there and then yeah overseas uh, two different times then we're going to come back and I don't know man there's uh, there's some interesting conversations happening for what we're going to do with our fall wow. and uh, I can say that I think uh maybe not at the capacity that they want it to be in some way i think the fans are going to be really excited about our uh decision that we want to do for the fall so we'll see you on halloween that's Ooh, all that's all i'm, I'm so saying excited. awesome that's amazing well chris thank you dude so much for your time today we really appreciate it man it's great to talk to you guys finally, you. Awesome. i'm glad we finally got to do it That was a Boo Crew Podcast, episode 106. 
Special thanks to our guest, Chris Motionless of Motionless and White. Follow at Chris Motionless on Instagram and Twitter and at MIW Band on Instagram and Twitter. Get their new album, Disguise, and see them on tour throughout 2020 all over the world. Music for this episode from Motionless and White. Production tracks provided by Power Man 5000. Till next time, it's the Boo Crew saying, sweet screams. Thanks for listening to another episode of the Boo Crew Podcast. Haunt the Boo Crew at Tales from the Boo Crew.com. Tales from the Boo Crew on Facebook and Instagram. Follow us on Twitter at Tales from the Boo. The Boo Crew is Lauren and Trevor Shand and Leone D'Antonio. The Boo Crew is produced by Lauren Shand, chopped and sliced by Trevor Shand. The Boo Crew is a TSP creation, part of the Bloody Disgusting Podcast Network. Bye. A bloody disgusting podcast network, home of the Boo Crew. For horror-centric interviews, SCP archives, weekly full-cast storytelling, horror queers, genre commentary from an LGBTQ perspective, and creepy or disturbing and terrifying creepy pastas. Listen free wherever you stream audio and at bloodydisgusting.com slash podcasts.